Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. I am here with my wonderful, awesome, excellent co-host, Ali Matu. Hello, Ali. Hello, Conrad, and I am here with the uh, kaiju-loving H.A. Conrad. <laughs> Do you love me some kaiju? Yeah, me too. Um, what are we talking about, Conrad? Today, we are talking about Godzilla, which just came out in theaters this past weekend. And uh, we have an interesting little crossover chamber matchup between... So excited. I am so excited about this uh, We are going to be pitting Godzilla against King Kong. It's been done before, but not in the crossover chamber. And not in the... Oh, that's what I was about to say. Okay, yeah, see. Tried to steal my thunder, and I stole it away from you. Well, yeah. Or my atomic fire. Oh. That's what I was going to say, too. Oh, my God. Um, so but, <laughs> and then our top five is our top five monster movies, which, hmm, you know, I, I couldn't include, of course, my fave, Jaws, because we've talked about that ad nauseum, but... Yep. Yep. Um, and I and I suspect there is one in there that you were not able to put in there. Um, yep. But in any case, it'll be an interesting conversation. I tried to pick some. It'll be a monster mash. It will. I tried to put in some new as well as some classics uh, for me anyway. So so can't wait to hear what your picks are. And I wonder if we will have a mind meld. Uh, I don't think it's happening this week. I Well, maybe, I think we may maybe come, on number one. I think we may come close. I think we're gonna have. I'm. I'm putting my super fantastic nerd hour cred on the line right here, right now. I think we're gonna have a mind meld on number one. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Godzilla, Conrad, where are you coming from in your experience with the greatest kaiju that has existed, the Godzilla? Um. Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> um, what has your experience with this franchise oh. been and this character? Like, how, how, um, where were you coming from when it, when it comes I, to this? I'm a little giddy. It's been the end of a very long day. My, I thought you were asking me my specific experience watching this film in the theater, like, this week. And I was like, you know it wasn't a good experience. Why are you trying to, to like, upset me? We were talking before the show started about how people were talking during yes. your, your screening, which is, gosh, a... Great way to piss off your super fantastic nerd hour host. But no, 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 not that. How, um, what's, what's Godzilla mean to you? Um, Godzilla, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those franchises that like, I, I just remember it's, it felt like it was always on, um, I, being a very big fan of the sci-fi channel and all that fun stuff, it just always felt like movie marathons and things like that. Um, it always felt like there was some sort of Godzilla film going on in my childhood um and i don't know i i know it sounds odd but i find godzilla a little bit comforting <laughs> i think a lot of people would probably agree with you i think there's a lot of uh nostalgia with this yeah, character yeah. and i think a lot of people have had the experience that you just described and there's just like uh, something to do with the franchise 
the models, the the fact that that poor dude that was in that costume for like 20 <laughs> years, he played Godzilla in that rubber costume. Yeah, um, yeah. I should definitely know his name. I used to know his name and I feel... His name is Godzilla. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, and, what I love about that, he was in this like rubber suit back when they had like absolutely no high-tech ventilation. No, and the poor guy would like sweat to death in there and you know... But he was dedicated 20 years of <gasps> oh, Godzilla yeah. film. And then the the models, there was something just, I mean, yes, cheesy effects, absolutely. But there was something so camp and fun about it that I, it was just so much fun. Um, and, you know, especially when you got some Mothra involved and, of and, course, the King Kong versus Godzilla films. Well, Those and were fun. I am, uh, I am a fan of Mecha Godzilla. Hmm? Mechagodzilla is probably my favorite nemesis here. Uh, you know, so uh, no, I, wait, there was also that. Well, because I am, I am, I am your elder, Ollie, and there was there used to be a, a cartoon on in the seventies with Godzilla. What? Yeah, and Godzilla had um, this weird, happy sidekick kind of dragon. Godzilla yeah. had a dragon sidekick. Or like this sounds a, like the like most a, amazing cartoon ever. Yeah, um, um, Godzuki, I think was its name. Godzuki. That's yeah, awesome. um, I, it has to be on YouTube. We will find this and put it in the show notes. Um, but I was trying to talk about this with Bill, and he was like, "You're totally insane." But wait, maybe I kind of remember this. Like it was late seventies, so it wasn't you know was definitely not something that was on for very long i don't think <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah i mean the, the the franchise spans like super crazy stuff and and it's always one of those touch points i think in in horror film and classic horror film that people point to and they can constantly remake it and constantly have battles and and godzilla really does have this he's a bad guy but he's not like he's more of a force of nature he can't really help what he is, and he sometimes takes. He sometimes helps out. In fact, that's he generally becomes a little bit more of a hero overall. It feels like. Well, so that kind of gets into my experience with Godzilla, where um, you know, like you were saying, he also feels like he's just kind of always been there for me. Um, I, I didn't really watch too many of his films. Um, growing up um, uh, completely like I probably was would be flipping channels and there would be a Godzilla film on and I'd watch some of the battle and it'd be like that's kind of cool and um, and then I'd change channels again I never really got into Godzilla as a franchise as a character it was just kind of always there um, and I was never I wasn't really scared of Godzilla as I was to um, some of the other monster movies that I mentioned in in, in the top five when we get to it but Godzilla just seemed kind of like a fun thing and but this is not um now ha having done some of the research in preparation for this episode now I know that the story really started out with this social commentary um following the atomic bombings of Japan and how Godzilla sort of the first film that black and white original film is has some heavy social commentary oh, yeah. in it it's yeah. it's 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 all about that but somewhere along the line Godzilla became more of a 
a hero and sometimes he's been a villain sometimes he's been a hero sometimes he's been an anti-hero and he's fought these other um beasts and sort of protected us but all i was oblivious to all of that until a few weeks before and when i was getting ready for this new film the only real film i watched from beginning to end (laughs) was the horrid uh 1998 film oh uh, don't even speak that name with matthew broderick no i i know that how sad is that 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 was like the one godzilla film i watched from beginning to end um, and was, i was excited for it before it came out i, I was, was really too excited. i actually really was too and i was so disappointed um what, the director was uh emmerich i think um yep yep and it was of just, independence day film yes of fame. and he I mean he i i think he Got involved with this franchise and didn't fully understand it. He's definitely not a Godzilla fan. Mm -hmm. And so he did a lot of things with the monster and the look of the monster that he really shouldn't have touched. Kind of looked like a crocodile, right? It it looked more like a crocodile. And it was much he was uh, his Godzilla was a lot more sleek and uh, graceful. And if you know, Godzilla is not like. Graceful. Godzilla is kind of portly <laughs> and a little chubby. He looks a little, you know, looks a little bit like, you know, he's got the the sort of he he he's like got a little like donut around his his waist and stuff. Like he's <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not like, a fit monster. He is not a fit monster. He's not <gasps> sinewy. And he's and he's also um. He's just kind of like, he, I feel like Godzilla's always tired. He's a little dumpy. He's a little yeah. grumpy. He's a little grumpy. <laughs> he he's kind of been around the block a while. He's also not, he's not also like really thrilled to be out of the water generally. And no. it's typically if it something draws him out of the water, it's, it's something that wants, that has made him want to kill it. So it's like, he's out of the water, super grumpy. And, you know, clumsy. Yeah. So. So I got to tell you, though, I have never been more excited for Godzilla than I have this film because the marketing, the trailers, everything that they have done for this film, this new Godzilla has been done right like they they did it very well there were like the nice little glimpses it was it was very slick the whole marketing campaign and the imagery that they had on the posters with the halo jump and all that crazy stuff was very cool so cool yeah the the teaser that they released a while back the presence that they had at san diego comic-con the posters the full trailer um the way they've just given us glimpses of of godzilla and then recently in the months leading up to it they've kind of revealed more of godzilla and it's the return to that classic image a little bit of changes here and there this godzilla is one of the largest godzillas much much larger than the 98 film much larger than the originals and i actually like the justification for this and there's been some um interviews with uh, some of the producers and they've said well you know, our cities have gotten larger, and so we need to make Godzilla larger uh, to be as menacing as he was in the original films. Well, but- that was all, they always did that, though, in the older films, because that's, I mean, Godzilla got bigger and bigger because Tokyo got bigger and bigger. Yeah. So yeah. they did the same thing. So I don't I don't have an issue with that. No, I don't have an issue with that either. It's actually pretty cool if you look at some of those size comparison charts of kaijus and how <laughs> yeah. they keep getting so much bigger with each film. And I, I love darn, it. Those darn kaijus. Just like... <laughs> 
can't 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 uh let your eye out for them for one no moment. no they they keep multiple they're like tribbles kind of they are, they are. um so uh and I remember this was on your list of top three most anticipated films for you um, from our uh, blockbuster episode. So I got to ask you, Conrad, how was it? Mm-hmm. Um, there were some really amazing things about it. Um, uh, but you know what? Before we even get started on Spoilers. this. Spoilers. Yep. We need to, especially since we're clo- so close to Red alert. The- yep. We're entering it, spoilers. We are entering spoilers, and we're going to spoil the heck out of this. Um, yeah, we are. If you if you want to see it and, and don't want us to spoil it for you, and I do recommend you go see it. Don't listen to this first. Go go and watch it, and then come back and listen. In, so. in the theater. I, I think this film yeah. deserves you, you to You have to see the theater. Hopefully, you don't have people talking in the theater. Yep. So, let's spoil out with our kaiju out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that made absolutely no sense, or it sounded just super dirty. Yeah. Because well, then I was imagining you like with kaijus in two hands or something. And it just no, <laughs> didn't work quite quite as I was anticipating. Um, uh, anyway, um, there were some things I really loved about the film. So I wanted to, to start and talk about that. Okay. Um, uh, the things that I really loved about this film is that the imagery I thought was beautiful. I thought that it it felt like a classic film, even though it's modern day. Um, and you can't, I mean, you know, it's the time, you know, it's modern day, but there are just some of the, the shots of the film. It opens up in, in Japan, um, just felt very, very classic to me, like very classic horror film. And, you know, it felt a little B movie, uh, you know, a little desaturated. And I really loved that. Um, and that was I felt like they were really trying to, it, it wasn't just a reboot, they were trying to do a bit of a, a, not even a bit, they were definitely trying to do an homage to these films and to this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I gotta agree with you here. Visually, um, the way this movie looked and felt and moved, uh, the cinematography here I thought was right on. Um, there was a lot of moments where I felt some Spielberg, there was mm-hmm. a lot of moments where I felt... Um, Kind of like M. Night Shyamalan in, at, at his greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, suspense was dealt with well visually. And we see that in the beginning, too, um, in the opening scene where you, you're kind of you're seeing the humans walk along this uh, skeleton of some some old kaiju who's long since retired. And the scale of, oh, it's great. Of everything was and, really done but well. But also the reveal is really great. Um, the visual reveals. Yeah, yeah. And they do it right. They do everything about revealing these monsters correctly. Um, they I, make I, it all, it's awe inspiring because you're just yes. like, how big is that thing? And um, I think especially with, with how they do the treatment of, um, um, the reveal of Godzilla is very deliberate and it's not too like they do it perfectly. Um, It's done really well. And I I rarely comment on this, but I also really loved the sound. Can we, can we talk about the sound? The, the roar. Oh, his roar is great. It's amazing. And it continues for a while. 
um, and the um, the uh, the effects of the other monsters, um, the battles, the missiles. Um, it was done really well, and I saw it in a um, IMAX theater. But I, I I was almost bummed I saw it in the IMAX theater because I wish I could have experienced it in the Dolby Atmos sound. That's the new sound system where they have speakers above you as well and it's more of a 3d sound experience um i we had that experience i think um what was that like it was super loud almost a little too loud actually um like it was just up just a little bit too much um but it was cool um we the we didn't have um much of a choice in terms of timing just because the theater was so crowded we ended up seeing it in 3d which which was actually okay for this particular film, and it sort of, it felt fitting, actually. <laughs> you know, it was okay, but I don't know if it, again, added much. I don't think it, did you see it in 3D? I did. Yep. I, I saw it in IMAX 3D, and, okay. and and this is why I do recommend seeing it on the big screen, because it is a, it's one of those blockbuster films that really fills that canvas mm-hmm. really well, and um, Gareth Edwards, the director, does a really nice job of, of using the canvas fully. Um, um, but the 3D, I think it's there. It doesn't really add it's much there. to the third I, you know, You know how I feel about 3D. I'm not <laughs> no, a fan we, at all. I'd rather not deal with it. But sometimes, in, especially in New York, you kind of have to. So, yeah. And, so, it was, you know, it was fine. Um, but but back to the monsters. Um, well, can I can I give you one of my favorite imageries of the sure, monster? Sure. Um, seeing Godzilla swim beneath the battleships. Oh yeah, you know no, that's that awesome. So so cool, and that's one of the things that this movie does well. It gives you, it constantly is reminding you in so many different ways the immensity of Godzilla. Right. Um, and well, that, and also and also the total you know how minuscule humans are. Uh, yes, and useless and th- humans yes. are. Um, yes. And uh, inconsequential, I think, as well. Um, but, and we'll get that to that in a minute. Um, but, and then the other monsters in this, the, the Muto, which are, um, you know, uh, it, Muto is short for Massive Unidentified Terrestrial Organism. Um, and in this case, they were kind of like huge bugs. They were like... I, I didn't know if they're wasps or if they uh, like a moth, if it was like a little bit of mothra, a little bit of something else. I don't know what was going on, but, you know, I, I, I dug them. I liked them. No, I think they were good. I think they looked good. I think, again, I think that there was an homage to classic monster movies in the case that I don't think they were supposed to look, you know, super slick. And they kind of they, they looked good, but they didn't. They looked also a little awkward, too. Which was yeah. all right. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I had and no, they were, the CG was done pretty well. Um, yeah, no, it was. And so, so visually and, and some of the battle scenes with Godzilla were just incredible. Um, they really just did a great job. Um, and, you know, even, even with the, uh, the Mutos immensity and like what they were doing to the landscape that they were in and how they were affecting it, you know, taking down Vegas, um, taking down Hawaii, all of that stuff was, was great. Um, actually one of my, one of my favorite scenes, which is again, this, we have seen this before, but the, the flooding scene in Hawaii with the tsunami. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Where it follows the dog, then the little girl, and the dog. Um, yeah, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was just such a classic scene, um, yeah. and really just. I thought that all of those things were done absolutely so well. Well, and, and going along with that, the dog scene, we again, we've seen that before, but it was done well. Um, there was a, a helicopter scene that lo- it reminded me of Journey to the Island, the scene from Jurassic Park. Oh, absolutely. Um, right. There was actually many moments. I walked out of this movie going, man, I really want to watch Jurassic Park right now. Um, and there was an, another scene that um, reminded me, oh, God, what was the movie? I'm, I'm blanking on it now. Um, oh, that's right. Jaws. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the well, reve- the, you know, it's interesting, though, because there are the reveal of Godzilla is very similar to the very similar Jaws. to Jaws. Um, and here's here's did, the thing. Did that, you catch? Did you catch? I mean, there there's little homages, not just to Godzilla, who's um, Brody. Hi. Yes. The, yeah. the main character family. The last name is Brody. Um and then the reveal of Godzilla was very Jaws-like. Wasn't his name like Harrison Brody or something? Uh, Ford Brody. Ford Brody. So there you go. Yeah. You've got like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and uh, combined with Jaws here a little bit. So, yeah. but I'm I'm I liked the homages the way they were done because it was. Uh, compare that to the movie Oblivion from last year, the Tom Cruise movie, um, where there was very explicit hom- homages to classic science fiction films, but it didn't really feel right. I think the here um, this was done in the best way you can do it, um, yeah. and so that fans notice it, but it's not hitting you over the head with it. I mean, exactly. there were a couple of tongue-in-cheek things. There's there's one scene. Where um, the two main characters, the 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 Brodies, go back to their house near um, the reactor. That's sort of a like no go zone, and they're in they're in the house, and it's all like broken down. And there's this little aquarium with like a label that says moth, and then ra nearby is like it's <laughs> oh, really. I didn't catch that. Did you not that's see good. that? It was no, so awesome. That. It made me so happy. Um, so there was that. There's a lot of things like that throughout this film. Um, but actually, one of the things I really liked about this film is how they also had a serious side to it. There was a lot. If you if you know your history, there was a, there were a lot of references um, to to um, some of the atomic testing yeah. that was going on um, to down to the name of the boats and to the name of the commander of that that huge uh, aircraft carrier. Yep. yep. Um, and you know, if, if you were catching that, it wasn't, it was also trying to give you a social commentary. Um, and it, it did that well also without hitting you over the head with it. Although, yep. you know, yep. it, it, I never felt like it was, um, it, it was going, uh, hitting you over the head. And, um, I, uh, going along with that, um, with the things we like about it, um, I, I really enjoyed the battles a lot. Me too. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know that I? There was this this point where I was just like, I wonder if they're going to do it. They can't not do the atomic fire breath, <laughs> the atomic breath. Well, and I was really like, and, and then I'm like, oh, I guess maybe they're not going to do that. And then as I was thinking that, when I saw his, his tail starts to light up and it, it starts to do the whole thing. And I mean, in the classic movies, it's very cheesy the way the effect is. And here it was just 
It was seriously like Godzilla was busting out some disco moves. It was so awesome. <laughs> it was really exciting. And then so, everybody in the actually everybody in the, what? Is the tail light up in the original movies? There's like um sort of like a sparkly like white little like crackly effect that goes oh, okay. all the way down like it goes down his spines all the way down to his tail and it's different okay. in some of the movies but like um in this case it was very dramatic the lead up to it like yeah. the kind of oh, like yeah. And then, you know, when, so when he, when he breathes his atomic breath, uh, everybody in the theater was, like, clapping oh, and yeah. excited, and it was yeah. really great. Um, and then, yeah, um, and obviously the battle scenes and the final battle scene with the, with the female uh, so Muto I, I, is I, awesome. I got to say about the atomic breath, um, I, I didn't know about the tail thing, and I'm like, why is his tail turning blue? Is this like a Cylon kind of thing? And then... Um, and then I saw that and I knew he breathes fire because I, I know like one way in which he like could fly was by like, yeah, in the older moves, like using his breath to propel him up, which yeah. is so amazing and how ridiculous it is. But um, Nguyen, who saw the movie with me, uh, she tapped me on the shoulder and was like, um, I don't understand what just happened. And I'm like, yeah, um, Godzilla has uh, atomic breath that he can use <laughs> to uh, against his enemies. And Nguyen was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. And it was just like kind of a funny moment. But what I love about that is um, you have that moment, you have the buildup and then it happens and everyone's like, yes. And then it gets it even crazier. Again. Yeah. It happens again, and Godzilla like shoves that atomic breath down that that villainous monster's throat, and he and like rips his like jaws <laughs> apart. It is, and that's <laughs> also, I mean, that's something that he's that is done. It's 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 a thing. That but, final battle was yeah. amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I really enjoy. I know this is terrible, but I really enjoy when he kind of rips the Muto's head off. He's it's just kind of holding. He's just kind of holding the head there. It's it's good. It's so satisfying. Um, so I mean, so there is a lot to like on the visual side of things, and I will say, in terms of a summer blockbuster, this did a great job. Um, and there are lots of of moments of anticipation, and they do the build up pretty well. Um, but I unfortunately now have to talk about some of the things that I didn't like. Unless you want to talk about well, more. I want to talk about one thing that I did like, which will okay. probably transition very quickly to the things that we didn't like. Okay. Um, Brian Cranston mm. liked him a lot. Um, I, I I liked him. I felt like he was a bit wasted here, but we can. That's well, part of that's, the things I don't thing. like. That's the thing here, Conrad, is he was the only human I cared about. And not oh, just because I go. love Brian Cranston, but no, you're right. You know, my my feelings about this movie can be summed up in exactly the way I feel about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I love that film only for all the non-human parts of it. Uh, I enjoyed Godzilla less so than Dawn of the Planet Apes, but I, I enjoyed it for all the non-human parts. I was, I thought the the humans were very. Um, non-interesting the they didn't have any interesting characters um the motivation for the humans felt pretty uh i just it just felt like this um the script um needed a few more reviews and edits because the, the humans were were boring 
I, you know, I felt like they were, but in some ways I was wondering if, if perhaps this was done on purpose because they wanted to show how inconsequential the humans were and yes. they wanted to make it all about the monsters, but I think they tipped it a little too far. I, I honestly, I didn't, I didn't care about the stories of any of the humans. Um, and Brian Cranston, even though I, I do love him, even his character, it was sort of like he was the best out of all of them and so I did care about him but I felt like they didn't use him well enough and I didn't feel like the script justified him yeah um or was good enough for him as an actor um although he tried no. his hardest no he, um, he really did he he's, he he did so much with what he was given but come on you've got you've got like Julia Binoche yes and she was great but gone pretty quickly obviously um yep. she she plays uh Brian Cranston's character's wife who dies in the the meltdown of the reactor, which turns out to be caused by the Muto. Yep. Um, and oh, you have Elizabeth Olsen, who I think is, I haven't really seen her other work, but I thought she was also doing a lot with a character that had nothing to do, really. Well, and it uh, was so, but it was also boring. I didn't even care about the kid. I didn't care yeah. about Ford Rody at all. Like, I no. had no emotional, like, when, when his father dies in the film, there was no emotional feeling other than the fact that, oh, no, they killed off Brian Cranston. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't... Well, and- and then you've got Ken Watanabe, who I usually love in most of his films. I do too. But he, he was he just that, kind of this weird side role, and then you know, yeah, and, and also, he, he had that same stunned look on his face throughout the whole film. Like, did you catch that? Oh, yeah. Once you catch it, it's hard to unsee yeah, it. Yeah, you can't unsee that. That and look. he's he's always in awe of everything happening around him, and the the character who I actually. Well, disliked the most was the admiral who kept saying i need to save millions of lives yeah. I, I i have to save millions of lives i i need to save millions of lives that's why i'm gonna blow up this bomb uh and then Con- ken wantanabe going um no that's that's gonna be really bad they're gonna get stronger and then the admiral's response is but i need to save millions of lives yeah the, the dialogue was, was terrible really uninteresting well and everything you know in, in addition to all of this your female characters you have few enough as it is and they were horrible They're they horrible. were even i mean they were less than marginal and you know what like even it makes it so that when you have these scenes when people are running around when um the l character is supposed to be you know staying behind she's a nurse and she's you know, helping out in monster torn San Francisco. And you don't even really care that much that all these people are going to get crushed, you know, by the, by no, the you battle. Don't. You don't. And I you felt, actually end up cheering when like Godzilla like knocks over buildings and stuff. Right. And then there's the whole side plot with, with Ford Brody, who is this um, weapons expert and, I just didn't even care about that part. It just seemed so forced and stupid. It, it and really seemed forced. I mean, Conrad, the whole thing about him always landing up in this environment where also Godzilla is showing up, that's a tired trope. Um, and, you know, honestly, like, humans are inconsequential to this film. Like, he's his weapons expert who never really uses his weapons no. expert stuff except to program a bomb that actually ends up being a problem that they have to unprogram right. and then like his whole point in this whole entire film is to turn on autopilot on this boat 
Right. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. That's um, a whole human storyline boils down to that. Well, and also, I mean, the other the other good thing that he got to do was to halo jump and provide us with that nice view of Godzilla, which was incredible. OK, I got to say that that whole scene was pretty cool. That whole scene uh, was honestly to me, it was worth the ticket price. <laughs> it was so that, good. that scene was really amazing it had moments of the um 2009 star trek jump it had moments of um i don't know other cool stuff it was (laughs) (laughs) it it was really cool um i would have loved you know like look take the film and um if you want to to do this humans are inconsequential just have it all on ellen brody have that whole storyline, the whole other plot of these of the kaiju are unfolding around. Oh my gosh, around. I didn't even catch that. Her name is L Brody. Yeah. And Ellen Brody is from Jaws. That's the wife. Ugh. Oh my gosh. I didn't so even catch it. Many Look at references. Me. I didn't I didn't catch that either, but I'm glad you did. Like I would have loved to have a whole movie that surrounded her. We were invested in her, and then these events happen around all of them. So I, I, I also, like- and this is like totally terrible, but I felt like the little kid, their child, mm-hmm. was weird. <laughs> what was weird about the kid? I, I think he was a strange kid, and I just didn't, you know, he just was always kind of just hanging around. Like, if you're going to even bother having a kid in the film, don't make him weird and creepy. Yeah. He was kind of creepy. He wasn't, I didn't think that that was a good thing. So, yeah, I, I didn't. I, I guess I was just so not interested in it, in those characters. I didn't really care. I mean, I wasn't, you know, we talked about Spider-Man a couple of weeks ago. Um, and in Spider-Man, I was actively bored. I wasn't bored here because I do think this film was done. Um, again, I think the director brings a, a really nice visual aesthetic to this film. And I was interested in the monsters. Um, I actually uh, was very interested in the, what are they called? The the Natu, the, the new, what are they called? Oh, the, the Mutos? The Mutos, thank you, Conrad. Um, the Mutos, I thought they actually were the only two characters who had any motivation um, for anything in this whole entire story. I thought their story of survival, and all they want to do is reproduce. Like, that is the goal of any species, is to perpetuate yourself. And they were trying to come together and reproduce. And, you know, there's that scene when they are united and they kind of like do this like head kiss thing and i was kind of like oh well that's sweet um i actually thought that that was interesting they had a motivation and you know to pick on godzilla a little bit what is his motivation here conrad i don't understand and i'm not buying the whole to bring balance to nature argument oh i I think i think he sensed their um their radioactive pulses and came out and there's prey and he's a big lizard but they're prey but he doesn't eat them Mm, like usually in nature there's prey you eat them you get food maybe he just wants to be dominant i don't know maybe he's got you know like a a short a short dinosaur complex i don't know (laughs) if he's got a short like he's got like a napoleon Complex. If he's got a Napoleon complex, I don't want to see the full size kaiju. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I, I didn't understand Godzilla's motivation. And maybe that's the whole thing about Godzilla. We don't really know what he what's the motivation behind him. But um, I thought 
I thought there was elements of the story that could be really interesting. Um, so, for example, can we coexist with a gigantic creature like Godzilla? That is a fascinating question to me. Like we we are not in, right now on this planet. Um, powerless against any type of prey but what's interesting here is the whole um the sphere of influence against the muto and godzilla's this massive scale and size and invulnerability to all human weapons like okay if we've got these creatures could we coexist with them what would a world look like where we are living side by side with them i think we could because it's there's any living side by side i think there's living under feet by feet well but that uh, I mean, but that's, that's an interesting story i, I mean, would like we, to see that story uh, maybe but maybe if they're uh maybe if he just stays in the ocean it'll be okay so but see that's that's the stuff is if you want to do the human storyline and if you want to do this in kind of this modern serious christopher nolan like hmm. let's make everything serious kind of thing which this film was aspiring to be then you got to bring to life more of that human element and when they kicked off brian cranston's character the only character who really cared about anything the only human that cared about anything i think the movie kind of lost its uh, potential to tell that human story so you know I, it did and it took too long to tell the non-story too like it just it kept to me it kept being like all right guys let me see a battle because this is yeah, not yeah, this story yeah. is nothing that i even really care about so. <laughs> no no you know i think at the end of the day I like Pacific Rim better. Because mm. here's the thing is, um, if we're going to have a silly battle movie, Pacific Rim does a pretty nice job of doing that. It's a lot of fun. Now, it doesn't aspire to anything more, which I think Godzilla does do. It aspires to a lot more. Okay, now if you're going to do that, um, you need to give me a little bit more. So I, I was disappointed. Really glad I saw it. Really enjoyed it. And I got to tell you, one of the things that I enjoyed the most out of all of this is how Godzilla came back into our cultural awareness and how much attention there was on Godzilla um, in the weeks leading up to this. So many websites devoted a lot of extra attention to the Godzilla franchise. And Nerdist did a really nice job with uh, they had like a video every day about Godzilla history and the science of Godzilla and all this stuff. I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed seeing this guy return and i'm looking forward to a sequel and i'm hoping the sequel will be better but as a movie you know it's okay uh i you know what it's a summer blockbuster so there's gonna be i think there's always for me some level of disappointment i think that the visuals were amazing i was very happy that i went to see it but i have to agree i was left feeling more disappointed uh, like i i just the anticipation, I expected a bit more. I also have really loved seeing all the stuff sort of come out of the woodwork in terms of Godzilla franchise. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed was Wikipedia has a um, has a pronunciation tool for how to, to say Godzilla, which is pretty... Really? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, you should listen to it. It's pretty cool. Maybe we should put that in the show notes because it's... We'll put it's, that in the show notes. It's a very calming woman's voice saying it, which is... It's pretty cool. Um, well, it and makes you just me happy. You sent me a video right before that we started recording. I was that about was to bring this up. <laughs> fascinating. Yes. Uh, so, in 1996, Godzilla won the MTV... Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, and uh, the presenter was the great uh, 
Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, and he is wearing some fabulous 90s wear. He looks like he's going to Riza on a business meeting or something. It's a really funny outfit. But what's what's cool about that is that was um, that was back in 96 and that was a couple years before the new film was coming out and it's Patrick Stewart and this is pre-Professor X Patrick Stewart and now we've got Godzilla out and Patrick Stewart's coming back with X-Men so it's a pretty cool tie-in. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to have Godzilla back and, you know, I, it made a ton of money. It didn't uh, yeah. cost a lot to make. It cost a lot less than Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man mm-hmm. and it made a ton of money. They've already greenlit a sequel. I've got faith that a sequel might be a little bit more interesting. They don't have to really uh, Godzilla can just kind of come back in the fir- one of the first few scenes. We don't have to have that slow build up. Um, but, you know, I- I'm glad I saw it too. I do recommend it for anyone who's a fan, who's a fan of summer blockbusters, wants a good sort of uh, popcorn flick eating movie. Um, oh, question for you, Conrad. It was on your top three most anticipated films. How does it hold up? I I don't think it. I mean, I don't think it does. I think that the the visuals do, but I don't think that as a whole package that it that it did it for me. Yeah, well, we're on the same page with that. So I give it a super fantastic hour, nerd hour, neutral is what I give yeah, it. Yeah, I think I would give it chaotic neutral. <laughs> chaotic neutral, there we go. Um, uh, but, but yes, um, but, you know, speaking of monsters and, and monsters pitted against each other, I think we should enter the infinite crossover chamber. was that that was my godzilla but i didn't want to blow out the eardrums of any of our listeners so i did it very quiet it's like a baby godzilla that sounded almost like a creaking door what that was so not i was like what i was going for oh my gosh i'm so sad now oh you're gonna have to do better at the end when we leave <laughs> okay. it okay well I'll, I'll do my king kong at the end okay um <laughs> so we're in the crossover it's been a while since we we're here we weren't in the crossover last week um so i gotta uh dust off the 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 crossover controls here um who's in the chamber this week conrad in the chamber today we have king kong versus godzilla two of our classic movie monsters and you know, we're not going to be talking necessarily about who would beat who in a battle that has been done. We probably before. will a little. Maybe we will. Yeah, we have yeah. to because that's <laughs> who we are. We let's face it. Um, there was actually a film that was King Kong versus Godzilla, and <laughs> yes. so and I know some people just were were unhappy with the ending of that, but. King Kong kind of wins, but well, he kind of wins. But I think Godzilla probably survives to fight another day. And and yes. since he's he it's is he is in thirty two films, I think it's safe to say he survived. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, but our question today, super fantastic nerd fans, is which monster is the better monster? Is that correct, Ollie? That's what it. we came up with? Okay. Yeah. Who's the better monster here? King Kong or Godzilla? We've obviously talked a lot about Godzilla here, and he is um, this radioactive being um, in the new films. He's this ancient creature who has been here, one of the last remnants of an a extinct species, and has become more powerful from the power of radiation and all that stuff. Now, what about King Kong? What is is, um, what is this monster all about? 
Um, well, King Kong is is sort of one of those savage beast tales, almost like an urban legend. There's, you know, he the people go into un, uncharted territory, and there's all these sort of whispers about this giant king of the of the apes, um, and he's. Um, this this monster as a child always terrified me. Honestly, really. Well, well, when I was a real little kid, when I got older, I, I had different feelings about it, and I saw the sadness in the story more. But, mm. um, and it's basically humans going in and dragging this poor creature and from and, Skull Island, yeah, where there's from Skull all Island. these old inhabitants, these dinosaurs. There's and all some that dinosaurs stuff. too, um, and. You know, they basically put him on display and they treat him horribly. And I mean, these these questions are posed. It's like, who's really the beast here? Um, yeah. And, you know, King Kong also has a very sensitive side. He he falls in love often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. But it is funny. funny. I mean, it's, all, you know, it's always been a, a weird thing. Maybe this is why, <laughs> you know, it freaked me out a little bit when I was a kid. It's like he's always like. Reaching into houses, grabbing people out of them, you know. Um, well, I, you know why it scared me is um, the Universal Studios ride, um, which sadly was uh, burnt down a few years ago. And then uh, it was rebuilt based upon the uh, reboot with Peter Jackson's support. But um, that ride is basically you go through this this thing and, you know, this whole city, this Manhattan area is all falling apart around you. And then there's this big reveal of King Kong. And that terrified me as a kid. Um, oh, that, I can see that. That and the uh, the Jaws ride also really scared me at Universal Studios. Um, but yeah, he is this interesting, uh, you know, monster. I don't know if we ever know a real origin besides the myth of this Skull Island and all these ancient um, animals are are there. But um, he he's he's a character who is very popular has been in pop culture a lot but and has many films there's a, a lot of sequels uh there's you know there's king kong son of king kong king kong versus godzilla king kong escapes there's <laughs> the king kong lives from the 80s and then the famous reboot uh, by peter jackson with very mixed reviews uh 2005's king kong but he doesn't have as many films as godzilla um he doesn't he, but he's also um there is something i mean i i think par, part of why i always found him to be a very much more sympathetic somehow than godzilla was that he's often tortured by humans like he has a direct yeah. motivation for why he acts out which you know is is and, and it always ends badly for King Kong generally. Well, <laughs> and you know, it's it's like this horrible thing. I mean, and I think I always have a, a very uh, like visceral reaction when people um, mistreat animals generally. Yeah, and yeah. and it's um, I don't know. I even I even feel extraordinarily sad whenever I see gorillas at the zoo, for example. I think that they're mm. massively intelligent creatures. I don't think that they belong there. Maybe this is why you and I do um, love the Planet of the Apes series so much is that also gets at these ideas. And what's interesting that I I just was thinking about this as you were talking is, you know, these both of these stories really have social commentary. And both of these stories are about our inhumanity 
to other living beings, um, whether they're humans, which is a story of Godzilla and the horrors of uh, atomic warfare, or if it's to other li- living creatures and animals and the story of King Kong. Um, these stories are really about the horrible things that we that humans are capable of. So the question that we have is who is the better monster? And, you know, like I think if you do a direct comparison of any of the original King Kong films um, or the sequels or reboot and all that stuff, in each version, King Kong is obviously he's much smaller. Like he climbs the Empire State Building. Um, Godzilla is like bigger than the Empire (laughs) State Building. This new Godzilla. But when when they battle each other. King Kong suddenly gets much bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the in the King Kong versus Godzilla, they're they're very much incomparable size. So I think if we f- if we pit them against each other, and if we imagine they're about the same size, I think it's going to kind of end in a draw. I think as we were saying before, Godzilla is a little bit more. Whereas King Kong is a bit more, ooh, like he's, well, I don't know if that helped at all. Uh, make my point. I don't even know. <laughs> no, I don't think. <laughs> but it was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I well, did. I did. Um, I was gonna, I think, what I was trying to say is I think King Kong's a little bit more agile. Well, he is. He's also, I, I hate. Well, I shouldn't has I'm like I'm afraid of of scare of, of offending Godzilla. I think King Kong's a lot more intelligent than Godzilla because <laughs> he's he's a gorilla. So of course he has some strategy that he can you know well hopefully and, put into play against a giant lizard king. You know, and um, I like you were saying, I feel for King Kong more, and there's psychology behind this. We like other creatures that look similar to us and we dislike things that don't look like us it's it's a survival mechanism that's why we hate cockroaches they are so different (laughs) from us that's why i think a lot of people might feel more empathy for king kong and why king kong's story is a little bit more tragic than it is godzilla Uh, king kong is uh, you know biologically more similar to us Uh, although i'll tell you when when godzilla started getting his him he was like losing the battle against the Muto. I felt sad for him. I didn't oh, like that I he was. Too. I didn't like that he was losing, and I didn't understand why he was losing. I was like, "Come on, take those Muto out." Well, and I might argue one of the reasons why you felt for him is because the Muto um, look much more insectoid and do mm-hmm. look so dissimilar That's to true. us. That's true. But I, I think we feel empathy for both. So, I mean, I think in a direct fight, it, it's going to be neutral in one way or another. But, you know, here's the thing is, how do we define a monster? Are we defi- who, how do we find a, a better monster? Are we talking about more popular, more films? Are we talking about more grotesque? Are we talking about something that's more repulsive? Well, this is the thing. I feel like monsters, the, the, the purpose that monsters serve in a film generally, or at least what I tend to take from it is that they're they're teaching humans something about themselves right so mm-hmm. dracula definitely has a lesson frankenstein has a lesson zombies have a lesson yeah um and it's all it's all like teachable moments all day mm, so- <laughs> it's 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 a reflection of of the things that humans fear the most or don't like about themselves the most or view as other and you know that's why i think people often feel sympathy for the monsters in the movie and and some and a lot of the times the monsters don't necessarily 
have a choice. And so I think what you see, for example, in X-Men, you could probably consider the mutants monsters in another universe. Oh, interesting. You know, and, and... in and in X Men, most definitely, well, not all the mutants, but but a lot of the mutants are are kind hearted, and the humans are the ones that are the ones to be. The humans are the adversary to be feared. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's also there's this or the Sentinels, right? Small allusion to a certain film coming out. Yes, maybe this weekend. Perhaps. Um, but in any case, I just think that the, the, the monsters are symbols of something. And you're, it's, it's the, the whole point is to make you feel something for that. So I think ultimately so we, I'm going to have to go. You're basically saying. I'm going to have the, to go with King Kong on this one because I feel uh, like, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe it's because he looks more human and, and I have a thing about gorillas i don't know <laughs> no, you have to think about gorillas okay. no i think i think gorillas are fascinating i do it makes me sad um how they're treated on this earth i wish i wish they were treated better because i do think that they're related to us so well um, this, and, this and, we're, really and, we, and we treat them terribly so you're basically saying that monsters are a reflection of our own horrors the, ho- the horrible things that humans are capable of right well not necessarily what they're capable of but also what they fear to become okay um it, oh okay um sometimes um and i mean this is not always the case but i think that that monsters are are symbols for us and there's a reason why things play out in in horror movies and this is why people like them because they're able to may- maybe face some of those fears and those horrors in that context as opposed to in real life. So um, I, I, similar similar to how you talk about the Dementors. Oh, absolutely. And the Patronus. Like, what a, what a great um, way to talk about some very serious subject matters, which goes back to our episode last week. Yep, the mental health episode. Right. So, you know what? I came into this crossover without any vested interest in either uh, monster. Having, I like your definition um, and the way you frame this about the monsters are really here to remind us and tell us something about ourselves. Based upon that, and the way I'm defining this is a reflection of our horrors, our inhumanity, the, the horrible things that humans are capable of. I don't see how you can't vote for Godzilla. Godzilla is the ultimate monster here because it remind Godzilla was born out of atomic warfare. Godzilla, there's no more horrible thing that I can really imagine than global nuclear war or the horrors of, of dropping an atomic bomb on people. All right. Fine. Get all smarty pants on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think if, if that's, yeah, if that's a definition, correct, but but I also think that that King Kong is. I think he's the more sympathetic monster. I guess is, you can't is, you can't fold so easily, Conrad. You can naturally also argue that there are so many apes in cap- captivity and such uh, inhumane things that happen. Well, there are, him. but I don't feel like King Kong really gets all of that across as well as. Godzilla, as Godzilla get, gets across. I am angry about atomic testing. Well, sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I am angry about Hiroshima. Well, what what recent film? Let's compare the Peter Jackson Ugh. and the and this year's Godzilla. Which one of those two 
gets these ideas across better? Oh, I think this one does. Really? I don't. I was going to go with King Kong on that thing. Really? Yeah, because like I, I think the nuclear stuff here is it, it's done in the beginning. It's a little bit more alluded to, um, and then in the end, it's just them eating a bunch of atomic bombs. Like <laughs> I don't think there's. Oh, really I don't know because I think well, my I guess the reason why I'm going with that is because of how many allusions to to the the testing at the Bikini Islands, and there was the the USS Saratoga that they mentioned, and even the name of the. Um, the commander is a reference to some yeah. to that era reference um, illusion reference illusion whereas in king kong um jack black is really like torturing this animal and you see this animal being put through so much um i just actually thought of a piece of the godzilla that i forgot to mention ollie huh. the redacted credits at the beginning was very cool Oh, the redacted credits were awesome. And it's it's actually in keeping with this whole season of blockbusters have had really cool credits, yep. um, opening credits. There's been really great stuff. I love what they do with Captain America. And um, I think Spider-Man had some cool credits, too. This film's had some good ones. Right. Um, yeah. But off, but we're still in the crossover chamber. Sorry. So, Just- you know what? We're canceling each other out. I think this ends up as a draw. Like, I think. You, if we're going overall, you go King Kong, I go Godzilla. If we go recent, I'm going Godzilla. I mean, King Kong, you're going Godzilla. I think we're canceling each other out. All right. Like Godzilla and King Kong did in that movie. Yes. And Godzilla totally survived in that film. Oh, he survived. and But King Kong did deliver a electrifying punch. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will um, leave. Leave this at a draw. Uh, thank you, King Kong and Godzilla, for participating in this epic duel of monsters. Onwards to the top five. That was much better. Okay, thank you. Um, that was a little... I couldn't decide if I was going King Kong or Godzilla, but it is what it is. Um, Conrad, we are talking top five monster movies today. How did you create your list? What was your criteria this week? Um, I, you know, we've talked a lot about monster movies in the past. We've talked about, um, especially during the blockbuster episode, um, but we talked a lot about Jaws and about uh, Jurassic Park. And obviously, like, these are are certainly films that would be on my top five. Jaws is always going to be my top monster film. Um, because it spawned me. Um, but, um, it's, I tried to pick films from a variety of places, um, things that are a little bit more recent. Um, and you know, I know a really good monster film when I keep thinking, well, and this is always, almost always my criteria for the top five. When I, when I kind of keep thinking about it and I'm thinking that was just, horribly disgusting or disturbing (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, or there's just something that really is a moment of humanity within the film so um so that's how i picked my top five yeah i i I had very simple criteria here um if the monster somehow lived on in my mind Mm. um for better or worse um if it was 
memorable, if it gave me nightmares, or if I kept thinking about how cool and interesting that creature was, um, that landed it in my top five. That also biases my top five towards movies I saw um, in my lifetime, movies that came out during my lifetime rather than some of the classic monster films. So I don't have many of those. And Jurassic Park and Jaws were left off my list because we talked about them in a previous episode. Otherwise, your Jaws is my Jurassic Park. Um, mm. Like I, I left Godzilla wanting – I had a craving to watch Jurassic Park just because that movie satisfies all my human interests as well as monster interests. So um, – all right, let's let's see what we got. Um, what's your number five, Conrad? Uh, my number five is a film that came out somewhat recently. Not somewhat. I guess it's uh, in, in two thousand and nine, and it is a film called Splice. I haven't seen it. Um, and Splice features um, Sarah Polly and Adrian Brody. And uh, as the main main characters, and then there's also a third character who plays the mainest character, um, <laughs> the starring role, um, the the uh, the character known as Dren, which is nerd backwards. Oh, that's um, cool. And basically, the main characters played by Sarah Polly and Adrian Brody are genetic engineers, and. They splice together the DNA of many different creatures, and they're trying to get funding. Um, and so they decide to take it to a human testing level mm-hmm. and actually use a, a human egg. Um, and basically, the child that they have, Dren, is super weird and sort of creepy looking, but also like kind of endearing. You could see why people would be attached to her but she's developing all these characteristics of these different animals and that's super creepy um it's it's i'm not going to go into spoilers with it but it all goes horribly awry of course as it and they're just you know it's one of those um it's it's a little bit of the uncanny valley Mm. in that it's not but it's it's deliberate in this case it's to make her look not human, but also just quite animalistic. And it's it's really a weird, weird film. And I didn't go into it really knowing too much what to expect. I just knew the basic plot and walked out of it being like, what did I just see? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was my one of my friends who went with me, Aaron, who often goes seeing uh, nerdy films with me. Um, we walked out of the film and normally we were very chatty with each other and we were totally silent. And then um, I think Aaron said, I think I need comfort food now and I, I need to like comfort myself from seeing that film. <laughs> so, well, you had me at Uncanny, Uncanny Valley. Yeah. I love films that get at that idea of the disgust we feel with near human type of appearances. So that, that sounds um, interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. Yes. So what was your number five? So my number five is the only film that's not scary on my list in some way. And um, it, this links back to our first episode. Uh, oh, that I we know did. exactly what this is going to be. You know exactly what this mm-hmm. is going to be. Mike Wazowski. Uh, oh. My number five is Monsters, Inc., uh, the 2001 <laughs> Pixar film. So let me tell you, I had Monsters, Inc. on my list and I took it off. Because I thought that you would probably do it. 
<laughs> and you predicted uh you you predicted well um i do think it is a great I, monster film um i think it's actually one of my favorite pixar films in yeah, terms me too. of the idea and the the storyline and also talking a little bit about the monsters and the things that are reflected in us i think that it does a very good job at at um but it flips it a little bit, doesn't it? It flips it flips things really in an interesting way. And the whole idea of uh, the monster society and why why kids have this fear of uh, of monsters under the bed and all of these kind of things. Pixar does a really nice job mm-hmm. with it. It's a very tightly woven story. The movie's only about an hour and a half long, but it just flies by. It's a it, there's great characters, a lot of iconic characters funny moments scary moments there's a great human drama and monster drama um it's it's a great film one of my favorite pixar films as well yeah absolutely i mean i don't need to say more about it everyone's seen it if you haven't seen it what are you doing go watch monsters inc please go see it what is your number two number two you mean number four you're getting a little ahead i mean number four Um, All right. My number four is a film I saw as a kid and it really scared me. Um, And I loved the idea of the monster here. Uh, 1987's Predator. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I love this monster. You like the so, Rasta monster? <laughs> I do. I the the whole fangs, yeah, the, like the fang things, and the like built-in nuclear bomb and the invisibility sort of cloak, and just the battle between Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, and this predator is um, is is really good. Uh, Carl Weathers is in here as well. It's one of those great 1980s action movies. I know. Um, it's so it's so cheesy, but it is. It's it so is a good monster movie. I remember watching it and being just they 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 did the the great reveal with the predator in this one too with the, yeah. the monster. It was good. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, I mean it, it's a it's a franchise that hasn't really had too much success after Predator. There was the sequel, which was horrible. There was Predator versus Alien, which is never what it was meant to be. Um, and then there was a sequel to that as well, which wasn't as good. But, um, you know, I, I enjoy the original. I really like... Um, it's great when anyone's cosplaying as Predator. I always get a little happy. But as a kid, freaked me out. As an adult, I really appreciate the artistry here with the with the monster. Cool. What's your number four? Um, my number four is is a really kind of weird film, and you know, if you're into if you're into horror films and things like that, it's um, it. This is your this. I don't want to disturb people, I guess, <laughs> but it is a film called Ginger Snaps. I do not know this. Film. Um, and it is it's a it's a um a werewolf film. But it centers around these two girls that are, um, you know, basically going through some changes. And it's it's really using, um, like, um, becoming becoming a werewolf as, as an allegory for for puberty and like hitting puberty. So there's a lot of things that I was happen. just going to ask you, are, are we talking like lifetime movie changes? Is this the kind of thing? We're no, talking? but it's actually I mean, it's it's a very disturbing and dark but kind of cool film 
Um, and it's also, to me, it's it's a bit unique in that it's it has two teenage female leads in a horror film that aren't just you know, kind of your your typical screaming, um, screaming like helpless femme fatale. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's it's pretty well done. I mean, it's it's definitely got some rough moments, but it's it's really an interesting film that's a, a little bit deeper than. Than the usual horror stuff and it's you know it's really um it was one that i just couldn't stop talking about after i saw it and and thinking about and i i feel badly because i know somebody recommended this to me and Mm -hmm. i cannot remember for the life of me who it was and if if it was you somebody email me at the show because i just don't remember but um i it was a very good recommendation cool i'll have to check it out and it came out i mean it came out in I think 2000. So it's a while now, but it's, it was pretty, it's, it was just, um, I was surprised that it didn't get quite as much cover, like, as I had never heard about it until this person mentioned it to me. And by that time it was already kind of in a cult status. Mm. So, um, and I think part of why it didn't get as much play is that this was people, people thought that, um, um, it was a little too close to home because the, the Columbine, um, high school, um, shootings happened um and other stuff and and i think people it was a bit controversial given some of the scenes in the film so i i guess sure. i can see that and i think it's one of those unfortunate things because it is a fascinating film generally cool so ginger, ginger snaps, snaps. it All has right. sequels but i would not recommend those um well i um my number four um, I was originally going to go with Pacific Rim and then as uh, in preparation for this list kind of pulled up IMDB. I got to Pacific Rim. I quick clicked on Del Toro, the director of it. And then I was reminded that Del Toro, um, before doing that, did Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, that's a uh, pretty good one. Oh, I really, really love this film. If you the haven't seen it. man. <laughs> So the thing with Del Toro is he has really an imaginative look to some of his characters. He's he's done Hellboy, and there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Pacific Rim, obviously. And Pan's Labyrinth, these creatures are really interesting. But it also gets its, uh, gets this idea of who's the real monster. And it takes place in fascist Spain um, from 1944, I think. And uh, the whole idea of some of that in, man's inhumanity to man... Um, definitely plays out in this film um there's a lot of creepy moments some of it is with these creatures and monsters some of it is with um humans and i really like this film visually the music cinematography the acting all around really great film check it out a couple of scenes are hard to watch but it's it's a great film it is a good choice that's an awesome choice thank Um, you um Number three, number three. Oh, that was my number. That three. was your number three. Apparently, I can't uh, count this evening. I'm, I'm. Well, you know, maybe you, I'm trying to like sneak another monster film in. It's totally possible. I think um, you just got distracted by all the kaiju. That could be true as well. Um, my number three is a film that um, I, was one of the creepiest things that I ever saw on PBS as a child, um, and it is. <laughs> Yeah, um, I believe I believe that's the first time I ever saw this, um, and it is uh, Nosferatu. 
Oh. Which um, was... It was originally done. Um, it was it was a film in in 1922. I think people are familiar with it by now. At least some of the visuals because they've they've been used over and over. It's definitely like a gothic horror film, and it starred um, Max Schreck. Um, and it was just like very creepy visuals of this. Like it was terrifying to me as a kid seeing this. Um, and you know it it has it's based on obviously dracula but the visuals of the the vampire is pretty incredible and it's it's still pretty interesting despite the fact that it's it's kind of like with this weird background and and you don't really hear anything like it's it's a very strange little thing but it sticks with you um and um in in recent years they did um Willem Dafoe did a film, started in a film called Shadow of the Vampire, which is about the making of this film. Yep. Which is also a very good film. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, and I think that that I found even more interesting because this was one of those films that I remember seeing it. I was kind of terrified and yet kept thinking about it. And years later, like went back to look for it and figure out what I had actually seen. Because mm. um, it just kind of stuck with me. Hmm. Cool. But you, um, but you are talking to somebody that uh, I, I had uh, a terrible fear of vampires as a child. Yeah. And so I had this this doll that was like terrifying looking. Um, but I would put her like because she was big enough to do this at the time. I would put her as like a decoy in my bed and like sleep <laughs> under the bed so that the vampires wouldn't get me. Um, this is this is the silly stuff that we do when we're when we're really scared of stuff. Yeah, um, I love it. That's that's and that's I great. and I do have vague memories of my mom like panicking because she didn't like, see this decoy, and I'd like roll out from under the bed and be like, "What? What's up?" And like I'd been sleeping there. It's like, and we're not talking just like one night. There was like multiple nights of this kind of behavior. So my poor mom, <laughs> <laughs> she must have been quite concerned. I love it. Um, good pick. Good pick. Um, I also love um, I'm noticing here that this this is a genre that you are very well acquainted with, my friend. Um, you're pulling out some picks that I, I have not seen. Um, and I am uh, I am very much appreciating your uh, your background on this stuff. Um, shall we head to number two? Sure. All right. Um, my number two is The Fly. And I know this movie um, has an original. Uh, the my pick that I'm going with is the 1986 uh, The Fly, and uh, starring Jeff Goldblum. Well, of course, uh, it is. <laughs> version uh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, no, it's no, uh, it, it is. I'm uh, picking a Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, no, it's uh, nice. uh, chaos theory. It's uh, it's uh, crazy. You were going to do that. I didn't think it happened. Um, I, I this movie freaked me out. Uh, it really freaked me out as a kid. I, I think there's um, and the grotesqueness of of what happens when this scientist is sort of uh, tra- transformed when an experiment goes horribly wrong. Um, it really scared me as a kid, and I went to go. I went to sleep like being horrified by this whole idea of like transportation and what can happen. And this is probably why going back to episode four of uh, the uh, the podcast where we had uh, geek relationships. 
And my partner, Nguyen, was having to guess what technology I would want to pick. And she guessed transporter. And I'm like, no, that idea scares the, the, the stuff out of me. Um, the reason why I'm so scared of transportation is because of the fly um, and, and what can happen and the horrors gone wrong. So um, I really um, am scared of this movie. So scared that I haven't seen it since I was a kid. <laughs> because it's pretty, of, yeah, it's pretty disturbing. Yeah, and I, I, I've heard the original is as disturbing, but just in a you know uh, original way. So um, I like this film. I should watch it again one day um, when I get the guts to do so. Hmm. Your number two. Um, my number two um, is Twenty Eight Days Later. Oh, good pick. Totally forgot about that. Um, And I know it isn't the classic monster film. It's more of a contagion film. So, you know, I I didn't I didn't go with the classic uh, zombie genre here. But um, 28 Days Later um, caused me to not go to sleep. for a few days <laughs> or it caused me to sleep very poorly the first time I saw it and then I wanted to watch it again and I've seen it quite a few times and uh, I know that the film quality the way that they filmed this uh, was under a lot of debate and it is not sharp it is not the best like cinematography because of the way that they filmed this um, but I think that it is it is a very successful film and it is a terrifying film about what we can unleash upon ourselves. Mm. Um, and even in the even when we think we're doing good, because um, the, the people that release the, the zombie plague or the the rage, as it were, are uh, animal activists. And so they they get into the the animal testing site where they're testing the rage virus and that's how it starts spreading. Mm. Um, but you know, the, the survival of these characters having to figure out how to deal with them, how to deal with the infected and, um, just what humans turn into in this kind of a situation was just truly disturbing. Um, so not for the weak of the heart, but it's good. You know, I actually, I I really liked 28 Days Later. I also liked the sequel, um, 28 Weeks Later. I think that it had some interesting social commentary kind of stuff. Um, So I I, I like that series. And uh, the better film is definitely 28 Days Later. It's a more intimate story. Um, But yeah, scary stuff. Well, right. And it has also that fantastic scene of abandoned London. Yes. Which is pretty cool. So Yeah. yeah, it, it definitely did that a lot better than some of the other films of that time. The um, the other one I'm thinking about is the Will Smith movie, um, I Am Legend. It mm-hmm. had that kind of deserted Manhattan Times Square stuff, but it, it was much better done in 28 Days Later. Um, okay, we're coming up on our number one pick, and I think I am predicting here a mind meld. So, Conrad, here's what I want us to do. I don't think I don't think it's going to be a mind meld. I, I think it's going to be. Oh, I no. Don't. Now I think it's not, now that you're saying it's not. But can we count I thought, down? I thought we were going to have a mind melt earlier, which is why I think, perhaps. With with what? With 28 Days Later? With I Ginger maybe, Snaps? I thought maybe 28 <laughs> Days Later might pop up on yours somehow. I totally forgot about it. Um, but I have a feeling we're going to have some common honorable mentions or some minor 
maybe your number one. So. Okay, let's let's do this. We'll count down. We've never done this before. Let's count down from three, two, one, and then reveal our number ones. Can okay. we do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Three, two, one. American Alien. Werewolf in London. No. Ah. All right. Okay. So no mind meld today. Um, American War- Werewolf in London. Um, so why'd you pick that? I picked that because that is definitely, um, in terms of a horror film, there are so many different interesting elements to it, um, but the scene where the main character transforms into the werewolf and he doesn't know what's happening to him mm. is so painful and weird, and it's looking at it now, it's very dated, and you can definitely be critical about what it looks like, but at that point, it was extraordinarily... Um, amazing how they did it um, and it's it's definitely like if you ever think that it's going to be cool to be a werewolf this scene will, will tell you that that's not true <laughs> or that <laughs> it's, it's really just painful and heartbreaking to watch um, I don't think anyone thought it was cool to be a werewolf until the uh, Twilight movies uh, yeah I, werewolves have had their maybe Teen Wolf maybe Teen, Teen Wolf, Wolf did some of that yeah and you know Underworld has got some some pretty crazy oh that's werewolves. true that's true um and then being Harry Potter being human have you ever being seen human. that yeah yeah um but yeah like it um it was definitely one of those things. And it's got, I mean, it's got some good, um, it's got a good idea and a good story. It's got some really weird things that go on in it throughout the, the film. Um, and, you know, I love John Landis. So that's, that's you know, another piece of it. So Cool. Well, my, my number one um, is Alien. Um, this is another one of those films that I think um, is is terrifying. Um, a lot of people like Aliens better than Alien. Um, they're very different movies. Aliens is a action film, and Alien is a movie that just nonstop suspense, and it's it's terrifying in the way a lot of the classic Hitchcock films are terrifying, where you there's a buildup of of the events that are happening, and you don't see a lot of and all that but it when things happen it gets really scary and the the face hugger scene um terrifies me um that the way the um the creature the xenomorph emerges from the um the stomach is 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 a classic and how horror inducing it is um to the face hugger to the reveal of the alien and the powers of the alien and how it's evolved in this way to just destroy everything the acid saliva and all of that the mouth upon mouth upon mouth stuff um this movie freaked me out and um but you know what i think that those those visuals of those aliens um by the way it was it was between alien and werewolf in london so you weren't totally Oh, so that's close. You were close. close. You were close. Um, I just have a nostalgia factor for American. So, so you just left Alien off your list completely. It's all my honorable mentions. Um, I just, you know, I. It was. I I like those films. They are definitely some of my top monsters, but I don't have as you know. I don't know. I'm not as affectionate towards them. Yeah, you know what it is. I think like. One, two, 
three, like three, maybe three and a half of my top five are more sci-fi yeah. influenced. And yours, I notice, are a little bit more classic monster genre kind yep. of stuff. And I just gravitate a little bit more to the sci-fi. So I think that's no, probably I mean, what I have a here. lot of sci-fi that I love, but I think because of our subject matter today, that's why I was gravitating more toward the classic side of sure. things. Sure. The softer side of Sears. The softer side of um, monsters. But American Werewolf in London also has, you know, it has so many interesting things that they did with the film. You know, there's there's fun little things. Um, and even though you're watching a horror film and, and it's like, oh, this is horrible. There's also like very like moments of humor within it, um, even while horrific things are happening. Um well, every every song in it has to do with the, the moon in some way. It's like there's little tricky things <laughs> like that. Um, it's, you know, it is it's one of those classics. And because of the makeup that was done in this, um, that really just um, basically changed everything in the 80s. So sure, this was sort yeah. of the, you know. The, the prosthetics and all that stuff, you see that used much later on. And, and of course, they won um, for that um, that particular well, year. Well, the last thing I want to say about my number one pick, Conrad, before you stole my sunshine there, uh-huh. right there, <laughs> is um, it, I think it's one of the best sci-fi films as well. Um, the direction from Ridley Scott, the production, the sets, um, it had that kind of grungy used look of the classic sci- um, Star Wars films. Um, the, the score by Jerry Goldsmith is, is beautiful. It launched, launched a very successful franchise, um, has one of the most kick-ass heroines in all of science fiction um, with Sigourney Weaver's Ripley. Um, I, I really really love this film a lot and i think a lot of our modern sci-fi slash horror slash suspense films could learn a lot by watching that film again so um that well, is our top also five. but also the visuals with hr geiger who recently just passed away sadly yeah, um sadly. and if you look at the way the creatures looked i mean you're you're totally right like it was terrifying those scenes where they appear and they have the face face to face Oh yeah, those are the best. Yeah. Those are the best. There's a dis- there's a ride a, a ride at Disney World in um the in one of the parks where you get to go on this tour of old movies and there's a and you go through these scenes and there's a scene where you do encounter a xenomorph which still scares me so much. They're terrifying. Um, oh yeah. I don't know what was going on in Geiger said, but man, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> they were amazing. Some of his art if you if you've not looked at his artwork, you should definitely Definitely check it out. It's beautiful, we'll link. beautiful we'll and creepy. Well, so, so um, rapid fire honorable mentions. What do you got, Conrad? I've got Nightbreed. Um, I had Alien, obviously. Um, I had Mon- Monster Inc. and I had Hellboy. Oh, okay, yeah, those are all good picks. Um, I've got Pitch Black. A small little sci-fi film that went on to be more famous for launching all those Vin Diesel um, movies. That it's their fault for Fast and Furious. <laughs> I know. Pitch Black is the superior film. Um, I have Cloverfield, which is a honorable mention because I think it's a good film that just always makes me nauseous. I can't watch it. You know what? I've never been able to watch it because of the shaky cam. And, you know, I also was thinking District 9. I had similar issues with that. So Mm. um, I also think that that's a crazy monster film, too. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think Cloverfield is good if you can withstand it. Um, I saw it in the theater and just left with a really feeling sick, but I thought it was it did the monster stuff well. Um, and my other monster pick it's it's a little um, it's a little different, but it's Stephen King's It. Um, it was a mm. TV miniseries. Pennywise uh, is super creepy. Tim Curry is Pennywise. Ooh. Oh my gosh! That, I mean, that's a, that's a terrible character to read about let alone see and when i i only saw previews and i remember i mean i was with my sister when we were watching this and i'm like i can't watch this anymore like it was so upsetting to me oh yeah so that's what we got um nerdlings out there in nerdville please let us know what is your favorite monster movie um let us know what you thought of godzilla and who would win godzilla versus king kong um we've got a where we are we've been waiting all year long for next week's episode where we'll be talking about x-men dost um days of future past or doffed i guess um so come back next week for for that episode but watch the movie first watch the movie first because we're gonna we're gonna spoil the heck out of it spoil that with our mutations out i guess um conrad where can people find you on the internet this week? People can find me on Twitter. My handle is Die Prince, and on my other podcast, which is reanimatedpodcast.com. We talk all about things that are undead and dead. Um, and on Twitter, we're reanimatedpcast. That covers a lot of territory um, undead and dead. Well, uh, you know, if you have the undead. They have to kill people. So there you go. That's true. That's true. Um, I am on Twitter at Alima2. I am on uh, BrainNosBetter.com as the science fiction psychologist. And for a limited time only, next week, um, I will be also on um, Out Now with Aaron and Abe. We're going to be talking about X-Men over there, too. And next week, join us next uh, Thursday um, I know this is, I just totally dated the show now, but, um, Thursday after Memorial Day, I'll be on the San Diego Comic-Con unofficial blog podcast talking about the psychology of Comic-Con. So, um, we have a Google plus chat that's going to be happening at the same time. So come join us. It'll be a lot of fun. And then, um, you can reach us at nerd hour on Twitter and also info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. So, with that, until next time, live long and prosper, nerdlings. Indeed. <laughs>